This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less and not let anyone ever rip you off. And you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Speaking of Facebook, coming up in a few minutes, Facebook is the subject of today's Clark Rage. And later, there's been a lot of columns written since the new tax law went into effect on the value or lack of value of still having a mortgage. I'm going to fill you in on separating the hype versus the reality involving carrying mortgage loan debt. Right now, though, I want to talk about something that I've had a number of calls about, and it's letters that people have been receiving from their credit card companies touting changes in their cards that are actually reductions in the benefits offered on their cards. A number of companies recently dialed back the benefits that come with cards, Discover started this ball rolling and reduced greatly benefits on several versions of Discover cards for things that they provided that are, well, since you're a Discover card member, we've got this for you and that for you and the other, and not anymore so much. And each company, for its own reasons, has been reducing the benefits that they offer. But one benefit in particular that seems to be not just continuing but growing are benefits tied in with a credit card for travel. There are a subset of reward cards that carry meaningful annual fees. And when I say meaningful, I mean from $69 on up that are targeted towards uh, moderately frequent travelers to extremely frequent travelers and are offering two particular benefits to travelers appearing far more often with cards. So I want you to look at these notices that come about benefits changes, particularly if you're interested in travel, and see if your card comes with these two benefits. One that has been one of long standing is where your credit card will be most often secondary but occasionally primary coverage for temporary use of a rental car. So instead of buying the collision damage waiver, loss damage waiver, or physical damage waiver, or whatever they call it at each car rental company, you can decline knowing that whatever your own automobile insurance would not cover, the credit card would stand in for that, in theory. The other benefit that has only become popular in the last two years and has spread more 
is where you get trip cancellation, trip interruption insurance as a benefit if you use that card to purchase your airline ticket or cruise or tour or whatever. And these policies somewhat mirror a basic trip cancellation, trip interruption policy. They cover illness of you or a named family member. By named, it means a particular level of closeness of relative. Uh, covers things like, um, depending on the policy, may cover a weather circumstance that would cancel your trip and would get you your money back. These things thrown in with credit cards, just as most trip policies you purchase, will not cover generally circumstances where you don't go because of a State Department warning or a terrorist incident or attack or something like that. But it makes it possible for you for many things like cruises where people know if you don't show up for a cruise, doesn't matter why you don't show up, the cruise line keeps all your money. With a credit card that provides the trip cancellation, trip interruption coverage, you may now be in a position to not buy a trip policy from the cruise line or third party because the credit card you use to purchase the cruise may well provide that. But before you get too comfortable using the credit cards for this purpose, read the terms and limitations to see if it really is real coverage or the illusion of coverage. Stephanie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Stephanie, you are an entrepreneur. I am for about 12 years now. Isn't it great running your own place? I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, the whole idea of working for the man just is not my thing, and that's an expression, not a gender-related one. <laughs> well, it's lots of stress, but I call it self-induced stress. So, And when you're mad at the boss, all you have to do is look in the mirror, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that. I love being unbossed. Well, how can I be of service to you, Stephanie? Well, I have a question for you. I I own a small um, shop, and I'm also looking to expand, but close to the same time, I'm looking to get a mortgage. And I don't know how to go about those two things uh, simultaneously, and also whether to use my S-Corp for expansion and my personal from my mortgage or how those two interact right that's a great question so as someone who's a small business owner the lenders will almost certainly pierce the corporate veil of your s-corp and even if they lend money to the corporate entity they will rely upon your personal individual credit report and will require that you sign a personal guarantee that pierces the whole purpose you have the S-Corp to protect you from liability. So uh, practically, if you're borrowing money even in the name of the S-Corp with a loan to the S-Corp, you are still going to face personal risk and liability uh, almost 100% of the time. 
Okay. It would be very rare that a, a bank would say, well, look, 70's been in business 12 years. We're not going to... We're not going to require a personal guarantee. We're just going to go after the company. Very highly Mm -hmm. unlikely. So when you think about borrowing for the business and borrowing for a mortgage, borrowing for the mortgage always needs to come first. Okay. Because if you have a recent credit app sitting there and uh, especially piercing the corporate veil and you're personally responsible that becomes an obligation that figures in your ratios plus the fact that you have a recent application for credit both of those affect your ability to qualify for a mortgage or qualify for the best rates on a mortgage okay so you do get the mortgage out of the way get it closed and then you seek the funding you need to expand your business okay are you, are you going to put yourself at any risk, though, Stephanie, both taking on the obligation of the mortgage and borrowing additional money for your business in short order? Is that going to cause any additional stress on you? It's not going to, or I'm not going to expand the business. <laughs> Got it. Got Basically. it. Okay. And having the home is more important than expanding the business, I'm gathering, as well? Yes, correct. Yeah, so definitely get it in the right order, mortgage first, mortgage closed, and then explore the expansion of the business. And I might even say to you, I like the idea of you waiting uh, several months after you have closed on the home and gotten comfortable with the monthly mortgage payment before you would proceed with taking out a loan for the business, expanding it. Ed is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ed. Hi. How are you, Clark? Great. Thank you, Ed. How can I serve you today? Uh, I'm a business owner as well, and uh, I am 55 years old, and uh, have I started my business basically cashing my 401k, so now I have no retirement. I find myself at 55. I want to come up with a 10-year plan. Um, I have a life uh, a term uh, life insurance right now that expires at 60. I took it when I was 40. So I kind of was looking something that I can do both at the same time, uh, put some money away. Uh, I can afford at this time about three to $5,000 a month. Uh, but I didn't want to get a term, another term at 60 for 10 more years because the cost was very expensive. And somebody told me about the index life insurance. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What kind of sound would you like? Let's do this one. (laughs) That's your money blowing to smithereens. Oh, Lord. That That is a product that only is loved by the insurance agent that sells it to you and the insurance company that issues the policy. Mm. They are they are a rotten, terrible idea. And yeah. did this come on your radar from something you read, or did somebody pitch it to you? Uh, somebody pitched it to me. I was telling him I, I was you know wanting to come up with a plan, and he gave me all these numbers, and it sounded great. And I said, well, I've never heard of it. 
I'm going to do some research and get back with you. So. Yeah, they are they are about as bad a piece of trash as the insurance industry has ever come up with. I guess the only thing worse is variable universal life insurance. So wow. you're in a position where you have a variety of tools to save for retirement that the tax code already accounts for, and you don't need to buy something exotic with massive fees like an index life insurance policy, which is the idea is that it's based on a stock market index loosely, that you get some amount capped each year of the return of the stock market, no dividends, and but you're protected over the long haul from losing money. That's the pitch of it. And mm-hmm. it is uh, just, it sounds so good, it is atrocious. Mm. Okay, so let's talk alternatives. At 55, is your health good? Yep. Because your health would have had to be good to qualify for the index life also. So I would say you replace the term policy now. Okay. Your goal is to work another decade, right? That's what you said. Mm -hmm. So buy a 10-year level term now, and you can either leave the other one in place for five years because having bought it at 40, it's so cheap to own anyway. Mm -hmm. And then you know you're covered till the point of retirement. And that would cost you very little money. Do you have employees at your business? Oh, yes. Okay. So you can set up a number of vehicles to save for retirement. And one of them that is the simplest is a SEP, a Simplified Employee Pension. Okay. Is that a term you've heard? No, not really. So a SEP, you you can do those SEP with any of the Mm -hmm. low-cost investment companies that I have on Clark.com on my investment guide. And it requires virtually no paperwork. You can structure it where your employees can participate very generously or your employees can somewhat participate whatever it is you'd like to do. And when you talk with a retirement specialist at one of the low-cost companies, they'll talk you through it. The beauty of it for you is you can put aside um, potentially even more than you were talking about in a year that your business is very profitable up to the mid-50s. $50,000 $50,000 in a single year for retirement to as little as nothing in a year that you can't afford to do it in your business. Okay. So they provide maximum flexibility and the money instantly is in essentially a IRA account. So it's called a SEP IRA, but it's specifically designed for people who own their own businesses And so I'd say that combination, the term life insurance policy that you buy now, and a SEP IRA, that's the right combo. I'd talk to Vanguard, I'd talk to Schwab, I'd talk to Fidelity, talk to all three retirement specialists at each, and figure out which one you're most comfortable doing your SEP with. I saw a very disturbing story in the Kansas City Star involving people's accounts getting hijacked on Facebook. And what's so clark rageous, because this could happen with any, any place that you're registered as a user, the problem is that Facebook has no procedure 
where you can talk to a human to get control of your Facebook account back after a criminal has swiped your credentials on Facebook and pretends to be you. So there's something you need to know if you're going to have a Facebook account because of their extreme customer no service is you need to set up when you set up your Facebook account or go fix this now where you go to their recovery contact system and you set up ahead of time the procedure to regain control of your account after someone has hijacked it from you because the truth with Facebook if you don't do that and somebody kidnaps your identity on Facebook, Facebook doesn't care and won't lift a finger to help you get back control of your account. A similar kind of thing with Google. Google has a procedure called Inactive Account Manager. If you use Google Mail, use various Google products, make sure you set up a Google Inactive Account Manager. We have the procedure to do that on Clark.com. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. After the new tax law was passed earlier this year, there was so much attention focused on SALT, state and local tax deductions, where the bill was specifically targeted to punish states that are overwhelmingly blue states. And so that, in the media coverage, was really what got covered. But there's so much more and elements to the new tax law, including a very significant change that kills a key argument about why you should own real estate instead of rent. And that argument that's always been pushed by the National Association of Realtors is the value of the mortgage interest deduction. But under the new tax law, the mortgage interest deduction is basically worthless except to a tiny fraction of home buyers. Generally, the only people that benefit any more from the mortgage interest deduction are people who earn enormous paychecks, generally above 300000 a year, and have big mortgages on expensive houses. The reason for this is that the standard deduction has been raised so much that almost no one will itemize deductions anymore. When you look at doing your taxes for 2018 next year, even if you've historically done itemized deductions, the odds are very low that you will when you do this year's return next year. So the reason to buy a home is because you want to own a home. The reason you want to own a home is because it makes sense in your life for your family or you want that sense of permanence or neighborhood. But certainly not for tax reasons because that is so over. Also, I, I have been challenged so many times over the years about my uh, desire 
for every living human being to have a 15-year mortgage instead of a 30. I mean, I'm just obsessed with that. And anytime someone on our team is buying a house, I start going right away into why they should do a 15-year loan. And then they kind of divert their eyes because they're not going to do a 15-year loan. But hope springs eternal, and I'm always pitching them, because there is no advantage for virtually anyone to paying interest. In addition, with the lower interest rate you get on a 15-year loan and the fact you get out of debt twice as quickly, doing as short a borrowing cycle as your wallet can handle is a much better idea. Now, there's something else that's been touted a lot as a result of the tax law, and that is the value of prepaying on a mortgage, you know, paying extra each month to reduce the length of the term. And where I stand on that is that that is a lower priority among debts you might have. You don't want to be all about paying off your mortgage if you're paying interest on credit cards or if you have student loans, or any of a variety of debts, the mortgage pretty much falls to the lowest priority of those debts because mortgage rates generally are lower than the interest rate on any other kind of debt. In addition, I don't want you to focus on paying off a mortgage if you're not maxing out retirement accounts that are available to you like a Roth IRA because saving in that Roth is a much higher priority than prepaying on a mortgage. Marty is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Marty. Hey, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Marty. I was wondering, I was listening to your podcast um, back, I think it might have been either June 2nd or June 4th, um, about traveling to Europe. And uh, my wife and I are going to be going to France and then on to Italy, and it'll be our first time in Europe. And you were talking about passports. My question is, um, we after we listened to that, we took some pictures of our passport. Good and, for you. Um, but Clark, my question is, when we are out, should we be carrying our passports with us or should we leave them behind where we're staying my what i do and it's how i feel and i feel pretty strongly about this i leave the passport locked up in the hotel room safe okay in europe as you've probably seen it's very common that there's a safe in the hotel room okay here's my next thing we are we are staying in an apartment um like an airbnb and not a hotel. So as best you know, there's no safe in that apartment for guests. Yes, exactly. All right. So as an alternative, I'd like for you to get a pouch that you wear around your neck and you tuck um, you know, in your pants that yep. you have your passport in and your wallet and in your pocket only have your just you know, walking around amount of euros and maybe one credit card okay. so that so that somebody would really have to work at it to get that pouch from you. You know, you can buy those pouches for usually about 5 to 15 dollars. 
Okay. Mine is a pretty flimsy $5 one, but it does the mm-hmm. job. Okay. And so I I, uh, I have it, it straps around my neck, goes down my shirt, and tucks in my pants. So somebody would really have to get into violating personal territory to get to, to my wallet and my personal possessions. And if they get that far, they're probably going to get hurt, right? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I did get mugged in Spain. And oh, I don't wow. know if you heard this. I went after the guy who got my wallet and got it back from him. Is that right? Yeah. One of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life was going after someone who had been violent with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what are you doing in October? Maybe we'll take you with us. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> October is my anniversary, and we have somewhat a tradition that we go to Europe for our anniversary each year. So who knows? Well, yeah, there you go. Maybe we'll see you in France. Well, my wife insists that she's actually Italian and just doesn't know it. <laughs> she loves Italy and could live in Italy. She just loves being there. So That sounds awesome. We are going to uh, Paris for five days. Then we're um, by train. We're going to Florence and then from there to Rome. And then we're taking a cruise ship back to Fort Lauderdale. Wow, a repositioning cruise. What ship are you going on on the reposition? Uh, the uh, Crown Princess. So that'll be like 17 days across the... Uh, 14, 14 days. 14. Wow. That we, that we um, have four stops. So we will be going to uh, Genoa, Tulane, Barcelona, and Puerto Delgado. Wow, we'll have just the best time on that. And you're going to find that money pouch that, to be so valuable to you in big cities in Europe because the pickpockets work overtime in Rome and in Paris, a little less than overtime in Florence, but it happens a lot in Europe and usually not crimes of violence, but it still messes up a portion of your trip, and that's why you want to keep your stuff safe. Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, thank you. You want to talk about your daughter? Yeah, she um, finally got a credit card because she was using her parents' card and just paying us back whenever she bought something. So, But where she's at now is she doesn't know when to pay it off. So she's pretty much, she makes a purchase, she immediately pays it off. Um, she's my she hero down to just, you know, every week kind of going in and paying to down to zero. But she heard from a friend that that was bad for her credit. It is not bad for her credit. It doesn't hurt her credit at all. It is the right thing for her to do. Oh, great. Because when you her to do that, (laughs) when you pay, Um, you're turning a credit card into basically a debit card. And recently I talked about a couple of services that you can do that that will automatically do what your daughter's doing for herself um, and sees that you never end up with an unpaid balance at the end of the month. Her doing that is actually very smart for her wallet because her credit card activity is still reflected. You know, she's okay. still using the card. They're still reporting 
to the credit bureau. Her uh, utilization is perfect because she's paying not only as agreed, but ahead of what's agreed. And if she wants to automate this, there's a website I can direct her to called Debitize. 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 dot com. Okay. But there's a big misperception that paying a balance in full on a credit card hurts your credit. It actually, I mean, helps your credit. But it does nothing for you by leaving a balance and paying interest. And your daughter ending up never paying a penny of interest because she pays along as she goes is great. Oh, wonderful. I like that news because I like her paying it off and not building anything up. Yeah, it's absolutely the right thing. And she's developing credit history and utilization all along the process. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Tell her she's a really bright young lady. I will do that. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Maritza's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Maritza. Hi, Mr. Clark. Thank you very much for all the advice that you give, and I'm calling on my UMA phone that you recommended. And have you been happy with UMA? Like, I bought it like five or six years ago, and very, very happy, and I only pay, what, like a two fifty-five a month. That's great. That's great. And two fifty-five is $2.55 for people who don't know what you're talking about. They can't imagine that a home phone bill with unlimited local and long distance and every calling feature you could think of is yours for two and a half dollars a month with UMA. Yes, and I was afraid to get it because I'm a klutz when it comes to electronics and I bought it and I returned it and I said, I don't know how to do this. And then they raised it from like $42 to almost like $48 with another company and I said that's it I'm going to go buy it and they were so nice to me they were on the phone I said you know I'm a klutz I'm an idiot I don't know anything about and they said don't worry (laughs) you know just listen to us and we got it done well that is great well how can I be of service to you today Maritza well I have I'm in the brush fire area up here in the Glendale hills I'm on the foothills of Glendale I've lived here for 34 years. I've never had a fire, um, and I'm with a very high, high um, insurance company. And every year it goes up. And this is another one, another thing that I want to ask you is that every time it goes up, my earthquake insurance goes up. The earthquake kind of works with it, and I'm just going, why does the earthquake? But that's maybe for another time. But I, I you know, I think there's something crooked there. <laughs> I found last year um, an insurance who is only three years old. They're up there in Palo Alto, and uh, it's almost like $300 cheaper. But I just got cold feet because, you know, I'll just, I'll stay, oh, I'm sorry, uh, the other company says um, that um, that that they're, I'm grandfathering in because they no longer take insurance, and what's going to happen is they're going to cancel you. And I do not want to be canceled because, you know, I do need my earthquake. You know, I do need sure. fire insurance. I understand and completely. And so the people who gave you the lower quote, go ahead and name them. 
Okay, they're called Hippo Insurance, which is a, an incredible name, but they're extremely nice, and they're even offering me an insurance for all my appliances that they're going to pay. And this is like two, three hundred dollars. And the, even the manager called me, and they said, "Well, we've been in business three years. We have, you know, no complaints." All right. Well, let me tell and you about. Let me tell you about it. The website for people who are interested is myhippo h i p p o dot com. And they're only in uh, eight or nine states in the country right now. And they're in California, where you are, and um, Arizona, and then other states scattered around the country. And what they do is they go shop your insurance, almost like an insurance broker would. And there are a number of companies that they work with to place the insurance. And as to what their longevity is going to be, I have no idea. But their thing is that they promise that they're cheaper and more thorough. But that's all I can tell you because they're so new. So I have an alternative I'd like you also to consider, and that is to call around and get quotes from other companies that are more traditional and see if you really do need to be worried about jettisoning the company you're with that keeps going up in price, or if you can feel comfortable making a jump to someone else, maybe even making the jump to my hippo, as long as you know there are others that are still happy to insure you if you don't like my hippo. It's time for Ask Clark, where you post a question for me at clark.com, and producer Joel asks it. Clark, Paul wants to know, why is electricity the most expensive fuel to use to heat your house, but so cheap to run your car? Versus, I guess, natural gas or, or whatever. So the electricity markets are under a massive transformation in the United States. And in states where power has been completely deregulated, people are paying much lower rates than they did years ago. In states that are still highly regulated with monopoly providers, rates are extremely high on electricity because you're paying a massive additional amount of money for an inefficient bureaucratic monopolist to provide your power. Because electricity should not be the most expensive way to power your home. Because solar and wind, and now with the new battery backup systems, are becoming ultra inexpensive ways, in fact, the cheapest way to provide power to homes, businesses, and factories. The real problem, almost certainly, is the way your state handles electricity, not letting the free market rule. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get you want more information from us one of the best ways to get clark smart is with our free newsletters clark daily clark deals and travel escape sign up now you'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think i'm wasting your time go to clark.com newsletters